So a few months ago, um, the men's U.S. soccer team didn't qualify for the World Cup. I don't know, did anybody catch that news? It was a big deal here in Seattle. A lot of people were really upset about it. And I maybe flippantly posted on Facebook that perhaps we should start calling the U.S. national soccer team the men's soccer team and start calling the women's soccer team just the national team. <laughs> because the women's team has won the World Cup three times and the men haven't even made it past the quarterfinals in like 80 years. And yet in America, we tend to call the men's team just the national team and we call the women's team the women's team. Uh, and this doesn't just happen with, with, with uh, soccer, right? We all know about policemen and lady policemen, preachers and lady preachers, uh, doctors and female doctors. I'm sure you can think of any more of these, right? It goes on and on, right? Uh, uh, Any time that a woman is successful at something, she is the, the, the female version of that. <laughs> And yet when men are successful at it, they're just them, right? And this is, this is partly in our language. It's also uh, demonstrated in, in, in all kinds of things. So, for instance, in soccer, uh, the women's soccer team um, in 2017 made a $5 million profit. And the men's soccer team made a $1 million loss. And yet the men's soccer team is still paid four times more than the women's team, right? So it has to do with our language. It also has to do with the way that we act and behave and compensate people in the world, right? I know part of why I wear a collar is because it stuns people every single time. <laughs> so what does soccer have to do with church? I'm sure there's some that would say a lot, but, but what does soccer have to do with church? Well. The point that I'm trying to make is that in soccer, in medicine, in the church, in all kinds of ways, we center maleness. Uh, being male is just the default. And anything other than male is what needs to be labeled and pointed out. And we do the same thing with race, and we do the same thing with ability. We do this again and again, where we center those who are of a norm that we decided at some point was hetero, male, white, able-bodied, within a certain age range probably as well. And, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is that in our scripture today, we have a story of really one of the central characters of the Bible, and yet, at least for all of my life, she has been referred to as a strong woman in the Bible, or an important female lead in the story. And so as I looked up this scripture this week and realized which scripture it was, because I got it wrong at first, and when I realized which scripture it was, my first thought was, oh, now I'm going to have to talk about whether or not I believe in the true virginity of the birth, or whether or not I believe that Mary truly consented to conceive the Christ child. I'm going to have to wrestle with all of these female issues that I just don't actually feel like wrestling with. Not this week, at least. And then it occurred to me, 
that I feel that way because we refer to her as a strong woman. Because she's the female lead. The female lead. What if she's just a strong character of the Bible? What if she's just one of the leads? What if she is just a prophet in her own right? Not a female prophet. Just a prophet. And when we look at her story, it is very like the other prophet stories. If we, if we just push to the side for a moment the issue of consent and virginity. Because I'm pretty sure I've never heard someone preach about whether or not Moses was a virgin. <laughs> so let's put that aside just for today. And look at her call story. She is called like all of the classic prophets were called. God calls her. She resists. God insists. And there's a new clarity of vision in her call. There's a new sense that perhaps, maybe, just maybe, she can do this. When we strip aside the female questions, she's not unlike any of our other prophets. Except, except if anything, she is even more. Because she is the prophet who foretells this coming inversion of power. This coming flipping upside down of the world order. This coming of one who will love so radically that people will drop everything and leave their families to follow him. She prophesied this thing that we are doing here today. So let's keep pushing aside her femaleness and focus on her prophecy. In her prophecy, she says that God will bring down the powerful and lift up the lowly. God will feed the poor and send the rich away empty. This is the vision she casts. This is the space that she creates. This is what Jesus makes manifest in his ministry. What would it be like if we spent as much time paying attention to Mary's prophecy as we did to that of, say, Isaiah? What if we treated her really as a central figure of the Bible, not just a strong woman? So a few months ago, I was invited to attend what was called a Prophetic Resistance Summit. It's big words. And uh, it was in Indianapolis, and it was organized by PICO, which is a broad-based community organizing group. And it was very dynamic. It was an organization of um, an event, I mean, of 300 clergy from across the country, from different denominations, all coming together to preach and listen and pray and sing and scheme and plan how to resist all that is going wrong in our world today. Now, I've heard people talk about the resistance. For sure, I saw signs at the Women's March. But I think there might have been the beginning of a hashtag around November 9th of last year. Resist. Right? Have you heard that? Resist. I think resistance is important. And I understand where we get that word from. I think that part of it comes from the French resistance. Right? This idea that, that the French in World War II resisted the, the power of the German army. 
And that sounds kind of exciting and historic. And yet, resist means to, to try to be unchanged, to, to reduce or resist the flow of something. Um, it means to try to slow down an onslaught. The French were resisting a foreign power. Often, I think, we are trying to resist something that is part of ourselves. Something that is within our own towns and states and country and sometimes even within our own churches. So what does it mean to resist ourselves? So this word resistance has been bothering me and plaguing me now for over a year and yet I don't want to be one of those troublemakers that complains about it so I go with it and I write my own hashtag resist statements. But it's been bothering me in the back of my mind and I didn't know why until a few weeks ago when I read that Mary's name means rebellion. Mary means rebellion. And when I read that, I had an epiphany. My problem with resistance is it's too small. It's too dependent on the other side. What Mary was about and what I think we need to be about is rebellion. Mary called us to rebel against oppressive powers. To rebel against a world that is dog-eat-dog. A world that is against the might make right. Mary calls us to rebel against injustice, not just resist it. What would it mean to be more rebellious? This is something I've been pondering. I think the thing is, Jesus was rebellious. We see that from the very moment of his birth in the manger, all the way through Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and ultimately Easter, Jesus rebelled. Jesus was an instrument of rebellion. And he didn't happen that way on his own or by accident. Jesus was birthed from rebellion. So Mary is not just about resistance. Mary is about rebellion. Mary prophesied. She created space. She cast vision. And she literally and figuratively birthed a new way of being in the world. Mary began the rebellion. And yet I believe it continues with us. And it continues today. With every song and prayer, with every chant and march of protest, every time we rebel against oppressive powers with our own relational loving power, that's how we join the rebellion. And so I wonder this Christmas season, where will we fan, spark, flame, the rebellion? Where will we tap into it? Where will we grow our capacity, not just to resist, but to rebel? I know this 
Christmas, I am asking God to help me to be more like Mary in my heart. We've sung for decades to be more like Jesus and to be more Christian. And and this season, I am praying to be more like Mary in my heart. Amen.